welcome to the Off the Rails Podcast, a deep dive into Dynasty, Debbie, and other degenerate forms of fantasy football. Please welcome your hosts, Ben and James. Off the Rails Podcast, talking about what a fucking football on. All right, so where should we go in our ramblings here? I mean, dude, uh, you seem all hot to tell me all about your newfound hot takes on Denzel Mims. So, you know, let's let's hear it. Let's hear what that's all about. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how hot takey they are, and I'm I'm looking that up right now on on DLF just to see. But I mean, dude, I I think he's a top five wide receiver in this class, and uh, and should be like a first round pick in in dynasty rookie drafts, and. Uh, and again, I don't know how hot takey that is, but I, I think I would take him in. I mean, I guess it, it would depend, but I, he's he's like a lock first rounder for me. I just went back and I just rewatched, and uh, I mean, dude, he he's he's pretty awesome. He's he's just got a bunch. He's got some dog in him. He's like always getting up and getting in people's faces after he makes like every catch. And there were like several ones on the highlights that I was watching. It was like one of his 2019 highlight videos. It was like seven or eight minutes long. And there were several times where they were just back to back to back chopping in plays like on drives where he literally was the only target like the entire drive and was just like feasting on his guys. And it was just like you pair that with the elite athleticism that he has. And it's just like, all right, yeah, no, this guy should be a first round pick in in rookie drafts for sure. I really I really like this guy and I think at this point he could like he's definitely going day 2 and it's probably early day 2 and there and and we'll see whether or not he creeps in the first round. That may be crazy in the actual NFL draft, but just 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 fucking loving everything I was watching of him. Uh I'm trying to find the spreadsheet where we had these guys ranked cuz I'm like really curious where you had him at the very beginning of this. And then it was like late. because you it watched was late. you well, I know it was. I'm trying to figure out how late it was. And then like I, then the next like natural question that comes of this, I feel like and I am curious where DLF has him. But did you did you figure that out? Yeah. So it's taking a while to load up, I think. Uh trying out a new setup here. And that is certainly Dude, my affecting. internet is going slow as okay. fuck right now. So yours yours is too. I mean, dude, Denzel Mims is thirteen on DLF. So it's it's not crazy. Jesus. I guess at this point. I mean, okay. I mean, yeah, dude. You, th- that guy lays down what he did at the combine, and then you match that with his production, and he like hits on all of the like more like mm. you know analytics driven community guys with like the early breakout age uh, and some co- a good college dominator, and it's just like this guy. This guy's awesome. I agree. I agree. I agree. See, I had him at thirteen. In my last rankings, I had him at 16. Where'd you have him before that? Uh, it says it was a 15 spot difference. So uh, 31. Ooh. 31 is where I had, had him. Barely in the conversation. <laughs> I, I had mean, him at 23 originally, yeah. which, like, admittedly, was probably still low. But, like, yeah, man, I, dude, I think he's great. Do I think he's one of those first round guys? At this, like, rookie draft first round guys at this point, I want to see where he gets drafted and how high he gets drafted. Dude, so much at this point, it's like, yeah, look, he should be in, he should be in that conversation. I think in like what I would consider to be like the second or third tier of the wide receivers in this year's draft. But I, uh, I, yeah, I think he's right in the mix. And what's going to separate these guys at this point is going to be where they go. 
who's going to take them? Where are they going to go? All Bye. right. So here's here's what I want to do. I know that like we've done a bunch of these like ranking podcasts, but I want to like let's just tier the wide receiver group of these rookies right now. Do you have? Our, did you find our consensus rankings? I have them up in front of me. Yeah, I did. I did find them. I'm 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 more going off of like what DLF is now um, for these guys. Oh my god, it's so weird when you look at the the rookie rankings by position compared to like the top fifty and how and how those those turn out. Internet's not going great. I'm sure that's uh Dude, is there like some kind of a global internet issue that's happening right now? Are we are we breaking the internet with this heat right now, James? We are, yes. Everyone's just hearing our <laughs> our uh our heat on Denzel Mims and they're like, Oh my god, must right, listen to I this. Must listen to this. Well, I wanna see I do wanna see what these DLF rankings are. I haven't looked at them in a minute at this point. All right. So I mean it surprised me. Top, it this still looks, first this still looks roughly, um, yeah, this still looks roughly like what I would think. They got Rager kind of high, but like yeah. whatever, man. I, you know, I gotta fight that too hard. That's a preference thing. Yeah, I got, dude, I got Mims. I got Mims literally like right in there. How the f- this looks just like my fucking rank- rankings actually. Did you just go buy wide receiver, or Same did way. you go to the? Did you go to the top fifty, or did you go just their their wide receiver? Uh, I'm looking. Right. I'm looking top fifty. Okay. But yeah, no, no, no. Let's let's just talk wide receivers. So if we were tearing this out, I I would have CD Lamb, <sighs> I guess Jerry Judy, CD Lamb and Jerry Judy in the top tier. I agree. I wouldn't have as much hemming and hawing around Judy being in the same class as CD. No, no, you probably wouldn't have as much hemming and hawing, but I have at least some. Um, and then from there. Like honestly, I, man, for me, draft capital is going to make the difference when we're looking at a huge group here of Rugs, Higgins, Jefferson, Rager. I think Mims is in that conversation. This is this is this is my take here. Like I, he's in consideration for the wide receiver three for me at this point. Ooh, that's hot. That is hot. I mean, I think spicy it, meatball, James. The wide receiver three for me is is Justin Jefferson. Actually, that's 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 who it is. But I think four is uh, is Mims, and then yeah, and this is a big this is a big like grouping. I don't think it's tiered. I think there are like five guys here that are in this like second tier. I mean, do like so if I just started rattling off, ah, I'm just gonna start rattling off hypotheticals here. Let's say for some reason, um, you know, Justin Jefferson goes at the back end of the first round, and then Mims goes, you know, let's say back of the second. I mean, landing spots who, matter who would a lot. You rather have? So we're not talking landing spots. We're we're just saying like I'm that's just talking purely purely draft capital. capital. If you factored that capital difference into the equation, it's who still are you taking. I mean, I already said I'm taking Jefferson ahead of ahead of Mims. So you know that that locks that in for me. I think. Okay. Why is Rugs falling for you? He used to be, you know, he, dude. It's your, not that he's your, your best friend. It's not that he's so much friend. falling for me as much as I'm falling for these other guys. And maybe some of it's like recency bias on on these guys and like getting getting more into them now. But uh, yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm swinging a lot. I I do have some concerns about rugs. I feel like rugs is as much of a lock as anybody to go in the first round for sure. And to go and, in the first round. Yeah, yeah. It's that's not it, dude. I'm I'm thinking from from just a fantasy perspective. Yeah, you know he I, doesn't I put those ideas into your head. <laughs> No, dude, you know who really like affirmed it for me uh, was, I think it was a JJ Zacharyson podcast I was listening to. Do you know that Henry Ruggs doesn't have a breakout age? 
Well, yeah, dog. It's like, you know, even last year, every, everybody makes the argument of the strength of the players around him. But you know what I mean? It's funny because I'm pretty sure like one of the things that these guys have noted is that like they're the metric that they have out there, whatever it's called, teammate score or whatever it is, it is seems to be mostly irrelevant in, in like yeah. the overall equation. And so it's like, yeah, man, look, I understand there's really good players on your team, but if you're that kind of a dude, then you dominate the market share. And so it's like, I think he was the third best wide receiver on that team this year. Uh, you know, what do you do with that? Well, yeah, I mean, but Devontae Smith is, is, is a dog. I think he might be the best out of the three of them. Devontae Smith but, is sick, dude. Yeah, but um, Waddle's good, too. I mean, that, that team dude, that team all, is they're nasty. They're all good. But okay, they're but here, just, just coming back on this, dude, I, I worry about Ruggs, and um, I still, I, I like Rager ahead of him still. So I think it would be Justin Jefferson at three, Mims at four, uh, Rager at five, Ruggs at six. And that would be the end of the tier. I mean, I, I know like T Higgins is way up here. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. And I don't think Lavishka Chenault or Brian Edwards or Brandon Ayuk, hey, KJ hey, Hamler. Hey, I don't, I just hey, don't, hey, I don't hey, think those, I don't think those guys are in the conversation hey, for this, for this tier. Honestly, man, I think this, that tier. this tier, this tier is like for me, the guys I listed. So you're talking, you know, in no particular order, Rager, Ruggs, Higgins, Jefferson, and then the next tier which is a pretty good tier still, is LaVisca Chenault, Denzel Mims, Brian Edwards, and maybe you throw in Brandon Ayuk, but I wouldn't. Yeah, see, again, the guys that I listed, I would have them in their own tier, and then T. Higgins would be starting the next tier with LaVisca Chenault, Brian Edwards, and I would include Brandon Ayuk in, in, that, in that tier. Yeah, you fucking would. I, I would, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I would, and I did. <laughs> uh... And you know what, dude? This is my other hot take that has happened for me. The other guy who's actually in that tier with them is Michael Pittman. Dude, I fucking love this. Um, I, I, I think Pittman's great, dude. I, I, there's so many good wide receivers in this class, man. I, I'm just like excited to see where they all land. At this point, it is, it is. Uh, I don't know. I, I enjoy many of them, and it's not. I don't have as much of a preference as I normally do. Um, I will the moment do the moment I see where these guys go. I will. Yeah, yeah. But it is, dude. It's a deep class, man. It's a deep class with like a lot of a lot of juice at the back end of the first, early second. There's gonna be like just players, man. Like more so than normal. Second round is just stacked across the board, and I mean, dude, dude. it's it's a stacked enough class that like even in Debbie depleted leagues, there's a plethora of talent here. I mean, like I think about our league, this you know the degenerate superflex, and and just how like that this is this is Debbie depleted i mean there's a lot of guys gone out of out of this group but there are a lot of guys gone but it still leaves a lot to uh you know of of value that's out there and i mean i mean kind of dude i'm sitting there and looking at this and like the the top nine guys on the dlf rankings are david not justin jefferson no i said the top nine nine guys Oh, you're Justin saying in, in the actual draft, not not of the wide receivers. Yes. No, okay. Justin Jefferson is is going to be like the prize in that draft. Because right? yeah. like he's, you know, yeah. I mean, I guess you'd be talking like Mims also. Well, no, no. The prize is Burrow. The prize is Burrow. Oh, well, fuck yeah, for sure. For sure. Just like Kyler was the prize last year. And at the running back, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah. Maybe Zach Moss. Edwards-Alaire. AJ Dillon, I mean, dude, whatever. But like, yeah, those guys are all like potential first round picks in that league. I don't know, unless people yep. wise up and 
right circle indemnity like they should i'm getting a lot of guys coming in this year and so i'm going i'm going back out there but like dude I, like honestly i i'm gonna i'm gonna wait around this year uh because like you know you proved it out last year you like sniped out all kinds of juicy devies in the late rounds i did just because it's like whatever man you know people were going different directions and stuff and some people like just aren't good. Enough you can league. say that. You you don't need to be nice about it. Some people are bad at drafting Debbies. So Some people were making bad decisions. Yeah. Um, they were. Do you want to talk about rebuild shit? Yeah. Let's do it. I think what's good about us doing rebuild content here is that you and I have both successfully rebuilt rosters. Uh, I do not not only successfully, but like I fucking love that shit. Yeah, and I think you do too. I, I, I do. like might like it more than like the actual winning of championships. It's just building a championship caliber team. Yeah, you know, after like decimating your team, dude, it's fun. It's fun to just tear your team apart and do the rebuild. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, I mean, you can just take advantage of of people when you're doing that. Just like knowing that you know you're getting a step ahead. Uh, it's just so fun to build that team. I mean, you know, when I, I always do like franchise mode and Madden and uh, you know 2k uh my league like doing the building your roster out for years and the first thing i do is i rip my roster down to the core and get as many picks and young players as i can and then build from there and like that's obviously like easier to do than a fantasy league but like you and i have both done this successfully in a redraft or not in a redraft in our home leagues (laughs) we can't do it in a redraft the old redraft Uh, rebuild (laughs) Dude, uh, I, do, I do a rebuild in my redraft league every, every year. year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in our home leagues, I just, you know, thinking home league redraft, but uh, we've both like rebuilt successfully, like tore down, punted a year, built a roster that uh, can succeed and, and, you know, cash for multiple years. And so I think, you know, from that experience, we're, we're getting ready, I think, to do one in, in another one of our leagues, uh, one of our shared Which teams. Leagues? In WrestleMania, ter- I mean, you know, a rebuild is going to have to happen sometime soon. Then uh, it's going to have to happen well, sometime let's, soon. Let's not. Well, no, let's not talk about that right now. But you know what? I like it. Does it does it does bring up the question of like how or when do you decide is the right time to do a rebuild? And you know, for, for that particular team, I, I think it's whatever. You know, it's not this year. We're not doing no. it this year. No. But uh, I like. I have found. And I think you would say the same thing. It's always way better to rebuild early than than late. You know, it's like to, if when once you start getting onto uh, the hamster wheel of mediocrity, or it looks like it's like, yeah, man, this team's good, but it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna have maybe maybe I'll make the playoffs and maybe I'll have like a five percent chance of realistically taking it down. It's like, okay, man, what are we what are we doing here then? You know, yeah. it's like take take what value you have right there and like let's let's try and restart this engine you know well it starts with actually being able to like canvas the league and and do an honest assessment of like what your place is in that league right like you need to look yeah. around and say like can, can my yeah can my team realistically compete for a championship like if i'm not talking best case scenario like best case scenario if you're making decisions based on what best case scenario is for a situation then like that's that's not the way you do it like when you're doing planning you have to understand you're going to have a few injuries not everything's going to work out like projected jumps 
uh, from people may not happen and some people may drop off. And so you have to be able to look around and say, you know, can my team truly compete for a championship uh, without best case scenario? And if not, like that's the time that you need to look, look in the mirror and say like, okay, do I want to build a team that could compete for a championship and, and compete for multiple championships in, you know, a, a run a few years down the road? Yeah. I do like, again, this particular question is a hard one as far as like fairly assessing your own team. Like you and I have both been guilty of this where it's like, it's easy to want to view your own team through rose colored glasses where it's like, Oh yeah. You know, if, if this breaks my direction and this breaks my direction or whatever, like I could legitimately like have a chance here. And it's like, yeah, I mean like maybe, maybe there's some truth to that before the most part, uh, that's not that's not the way that it ends up working. It's like, yeah, maybe maybe you'll get one of those things to break your direction, and then a couple other things are going to break bad for you that like you weren't planning on at all, and like your team's actually going to end up being worse than it was before. And it's like trying to stretch for that. I you know I understand it maybe when you get to that last year, but it's like when you're getting like the first round playoff bounce or you're not making the playoffs at all, it's it's time to seriously take a look, take a hard look at yourself in the mirror and what you're doing there. Yeah, and like. You know, a lot of us, like in a dynasty league, especially like it's, you can look at your team and you have like two stars, like on that roster and you think, okay, I can compete with these guys, but you need to be willing to like, say like doing a rebuild. If you have a star to kick that off like that, that really, uh, you know, that makes it a little bit easier. Like when you're looking at your roster depth and like whether or not you have prospects, like that's when you really need to be looking at it and saying like, do I, do I need to rebuild at this point? Like, is my roster about to fall off a cliff and then I'll be into a forced rebuild instead of actually getting to a point where I can, you know, make a few strategic moves to, to set myself up uh, for, for the future. Yeah. And I, that's like an important uh, point of clarification there. There's like, obviously you can, you can not do well for a variety of different reasons. And like if, if your roster is young and like that was kind of the entire plan, obviously, you know, that doesn't mean that you need to start rebuilding if that doesn't come together immediately. Um, but yeah, the best times to rebuild are when, when your team really is like a mediocre team or when it is like approaching that cliff. And I do like, we know some people that have built the teams that are like the aging veteran producer type of teams. And, yep. um, have like rode that thing all the way off the cliff. And like, that's like a really, really scary fucking thing to do because at the end of the day, man, like part of what makes a rebuild possible is that you have at least some assets on your roster that you could then parlay for additional draft picks and things along those lines that you can use to try and like, yes, start like growing things from scratch, you know, to like actually build it up. It's the time value money type of equation deal. Yeah, and it's it's like it's really important. Like, I mean, dude, when we you and I both kicked off rebuilds, like I guess my my rebuild was not planned heading into a season. I think yours yours was. It was a decision made in the in the off season, but it wasn't like like when, when I was when I decided to do the rebuild and to punt. Like, I didn't I didn't anticipate that. What happened is I had several injuries to kick off the season, and I looked at my roster and I was like, this team is not good. Like with 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 that, you know, things not breaking exactly as I need them to, and I want to build a team that can com- can compete for multiple years and be like a legit team that has depth that I can sustain like some injuries for for years to come. And so, like, I l- honestly looked at the league and I said, "All right, 
I can't win a championship. I can just like go to the playoffs and be mediocre and like get busted out in the first round or maybe the second. But like this, it was time to to take a look and do an honest assessment and and say, all right, I'm going to try and and set myself up. You know, two years down the road, one year down the road. Yeah, and dude, the one year rebuild is like a hard one to do, but it's like definitely possible. And it's basically trying trying to parlay. You know, the kind of maybe the more aging producer guys on your roster for draft value and just kind of like resetting your window back a few years type of thing. Um, and like, honestly, man, I, if you, if you can pull it off, it's, it's a great way to do it, but it's, it's usually difficult to, by the time you see that the cliff is coming, it's like everybody else sees that it's coming too. And it's hard to unload those guys for like true value. And so you either need to be able to like really nail draft picks or, um, you know, you're not going to get the best value for that guy. And, and that's why it like almost necessitates sometimes that to do a good rebuild, it's like you're willing to part with somebody of significant value to garner the draft capital that you need to like really start piecing that shit back together. Yeah. And again, that comes with like taking a look at your team and, and like saying like how many years out in the future am I going to realistically be able to compete again? If I'm doing this rebuild, am I willing to commit to a couple years down the road? And then at that point, like with this top end talent on my team, are those guys still going to be in a place where uh, where they're going to be elite producers at that time when it's actually time for me to compete or can I move those pieces and and like really kickstart this this rebuild by by adding some you know top end draft picks like dynasty ends up being a lot like a lot closer to how like baseball handles trades and stuff than than other leagues right like it ends up being like a prospect like prospects tacked on top of each other prospects and draft picks for those players and like you, you a lot of times have to be betting on on those prospects. Like you're going to get one in a draft pick for a top end guy, and you need to be, you know, making sure that the guy that you're getting is is going to help you in the future. Sure, man. And like that's tough to do, but obviously the best way to do it is try and get high end draft picks. And sometimes that requires packaging together draft picks after you've acquired multiple, or even just like yeah, trading guys that have the value that can pull in those early draft picks. I, you know, especially in dude like drafts like this one, it's going to be so easy to hit with like a first half first round pick. Um, and yeah. I, you know, I think there's a lot of veterans you might be able to trade onto teams that think they're one piece away from a win now situation. Um, that like, yeah, man, I, you know, those would be, those would be sweet trades to make and, you know, sweet ways to sit there and kind of reset the clock a little bit. For sure. And so that just comes down to being willing to put everybody on the table, right? Like you need to, be willing to part with with everybody on your team and and really be focusing on value what you're getting in return instead of you know really really focusing on on having specific guys on on your team agree with that take advantage of that time value equation man get those get I those did, future picks get those younger guys from those yeah. competing rosters yeah it's uh dude and it requires a lot of work especially the trading element of it it's like no walk in the park. I mean, you you know this better than anybody because you're like a trading machine. But uh, everybody thinks that like their young guys are going to be like the next big fucking superstar. And so, you know, to peel them off usually is a challenge. I mean, that's honestly one of the reasons why it's like the unknown of the draft pick also doesn't have like whatever, some kind of like set in image that like these owners may have gotten about their players and their players potential and everything like that. So it's like it's almost easier to acquire it that way. Um, it depends. But yeah, I mean, you know, trading is a lot of times like starting conversations with everybody 
just so that like when that person's ready to trade or you got them in that right mood, like you can get it done. Hundred percent, man. Like, build that it, build that rapport. Yeah, I mean, it just happens over time, though. Like, very rarely is it like, "Hey, man, you know, are you interested in trading these guys?" And he's like, "Yeah, but I would need these guys in return." Like, okay, you know, the back and forth, and then like get it done like in one day or in a quick exchange. Like, it takes it takes a while. People like you you gauge people's value on on different guys and like what you can match on your team to that, and 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 that just takes yeah, it takes building like it's not even like a, a rapport as much as just understanding how they value players and getting and people the in the picks. right mood. Yeah. And picks. Like picks, especially man. Some people are scared of like drafting their picks because either they've had like bad experiences or they've just like burnt them in the past taking bad picks. Uh, and it's like, yeah, I mean, they're easier to pry off some people. Some people are more willing to unload them than others and like find those people, uh, you know, and acquire as many picks as you possibly can. That's like scout your draft super hard. And like, you can even generate like late round picks into, you know, guys that have rising value that, you yep. know, you can do to parlay into other things or utilize on your roster. And yeah, I mean, like you said, like understand that like a lot of times in trading, yes, we have guys that are like our guys that we want to try and trade for from teams. But a lot of times, like when you're putting your, your team, like the whole roster on the table and willing to make moves with people, like a lot of times it's about, talking to the people that you know are willing to pl to pay for that person that have like the right value understanding on that guy and, and can give you something in return and so that takes just you know getting getting with those other owners in the league and and you know figuring out who among that group um, values the guys that you have and and values them in, in a place that you'd be willing to part with them for all right, dude. So I got I got a question for you because, like, you know, like one of the big I think messages here to like conducting a rebuild is to try and do one when you still have some value that you can use to parlay into these younger assets and these draft picks and things. What happens if you are either let's say you're acquiring an orphan team or you know whatever, man? You just suck at fantasy football and like you've driven your dynasty team like straight into the fucking shitter. Like, what do you, what do you do at that point when you've got very little in terms of assets? Um, say you've even sold off draft picks and things like that. I mean, like, how do you, how do you begin that long road back? I mean, first place, you, like, yeah, no, first place you start is the waiver wires. Like in, oh, yeah, in, dude, in totally your league, that's like, like, that's the first place. Like that's the, the best place that you're going to be able to, to, you know, scrape some value. Is, is go out there, make sure that you're owning the, the waiver wire, and you're getting and, and and the guys that you are getting are some of them can be prospects, but a lot of times, man, like pick up that guy that has value for that year, and you might be able to turn that guy into like a late pick, and that's really where like what you said, like scouting the draft, that's really important too. But like you have limited resources, and so you have to make the most of those, and and really it's it's most likely going to be churning like you are churning your roster like you can turn Dude. this guy into this pick into this other guy and then you can package those guys for something else and and you go after those late round picks and you have to try and land a few of those and that's that's really how you do the long road back is is you just you got to nail some late round picks sure and be bad Dude, like it, and it, get that first it, pick every year <laughs> well, that's the thing is that like all is naturally going to happen. Right. And so it's like, so long as like, uh, you know, you're not in a situation where you've like totally mortgaged like 
future drafts and things like that in, in no. addition to like current ones then like yeah eventually man you're going to be fucking awful and you're, you're going to get the early picks and you'll you'll start coming back relatively quickly so long as you don't trade those away and this is the problem man that like i see way too many people do this is it's like you get to the point where one of your you're one of these like shit teams and like you just don't realize how bad you are and and you think oh man maybe i i, I could add so and so veteran running back by trading yeah. away you know, my, my, some of my picks or something like that. It's just like, no, no, that was like the last thing you should be thinking right now. No, it's like, use every pick you can and do everything you can to acquire as many picks as you can. Yeah. If you take over an orphan, you're probably going right into a rebuild. Like that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. And, um, whether it's an orphan or a dispersal, like you're, you're going with like, you're going to have to do a rebuild and, and yeah, man, it is, it's, you own the waiver wire you start trade conversations with people and, and and you just try to create value. You just create value in any way that you can. And and that is a long road back, but it's I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. And hopefully you have your first round pick and, and your yeah. team being bad, you get to profit off of that. Cause if it's a long road back, I mean, you're talking at least two, probably three bad years. And and Dude, you it, need it, and it, you need least, to get like- your first round pick. After, yeah, you need your first round pick. After like the second consecutive bad year of like early, early first round picks, you'll start to assemble something together there, especially if, yes, you've tried to acquire as many picks. And dude, this is something else too. It's like if you have an awful team, try to take even further advantage of the time value money equation than you normally would in the sense of trade for people's future picks. Yeah. Because those future picks are going to be valuable to you at the point that that comes around and you don't need them right now because your team is already ass. And your team continuing to be ass is only going to benefit you for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You know? When when that guy in your league's like, I'll give you a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick for that dude on your team. Okay, yeah, thank you. I'll take that. No, I don't even mean that. I mean, like... Don't give me that fourth round pick. Give me your like 2021 third. Like that's what I want instead. You know, like try, try to be sitting there and like push back, push back the picks and the, like in the chances that you can to try and get higher value picks. Yep. And, like, dude, that's a, that's a great way to do things. If you know, you know how bad the team is and you understand how long the rebuild is going to take. And that's like, I think a big part of this uh, for people is understanding, depending on the severity of your situation, how long you should be expecting one of these things to take, how long you should be expecting a rebuild to take. And it's like, it's going to vary dramatically based on like how good or how bad your team is. You know, it it is is possible to do like the one year reboot. Yeah. Um, I mean, but that's not really realistic. No, it's not. You have to be a pretty good team to begin with kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Most likely you're looking at two years and I, you know, I think for like, you know, that's that's like being competitive the second year, but like really, it's three years to be yeah. kind of championship worthy. And I feel like that's a reasonable window. And if you that's if you have assets that you're working with to do a rebuild, yep. if you're starting from absolute scratch, man, I think that that three years is like probably the minimum threshold of when you when you could possibly be competing. And more realistically, you need to be open to the idea that it's four. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, dude, like especially taking on an orphan like uh, that that is at in that kind of shape. That is not for the weak of heart. No, it's, uh, it's very, very challenging to turn those things around in a timely manner. Um, you know, and if it's a home league, te- home league team and you're just like, have not paid attention or not cared and you're, you know, tired of being embarrassed by all of your friends, it's like, yeah, man, stick in there. I yep. suggest you stick in there. It's more than possible to do it. Um, it just takes like focus and making the right decisions, man, instead of the wrong ones, you know? Yep. Pretty much covers it, right? 
Oh, I, I do. Chat. I do overarching conversation just quickly. Like we're, I do want to say like you are either competing for championships or feeling or you're like rebuilding. you're the next. Yeah. Or you're rebuilding. Like there's a middle group where you feel like you're almost competing where you're like, you're a good team. You're a playoff team, but you need jumps. And if your team is uh, like a rebuild team and you're in that situation, obviously you don't, but like, yeah, man, like you're either competing for championships or you should be rebuilding. And that's like really what like people need to realize, like they, they kind of get enamored with like sneaking in the playoffs or whatever, like thinking like anybody has a chance like every year. And that's just not the way that it works. Not everybody has a shot every year in, in, in fantasy football, just like in the NFL. Well, no, dude, and, it's, it's like any other kind of kind of gambling of sorts where it's like play the probabilities, right? It's like, yeah, man, you might sneak into the playoffs, but like it, when you sneak in there, what are your chances of winning realistically? And it's like once you compound all of those odds together, realist, realistically, you know? Yeah. And I think mo- most of the time for most teams in most leagues, man, it's like, yeah, your chances of winning a championship realistically are less than 10% most years, you know? Yep. So it's like if you're one of those teams, like, yeah, give yourself a good cold, hard look. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, man, just get you know, be willing to be sick of just being average and, and swing for the fences and try and, mostly, you know, build, build your team. Do what? Yeah. That's mostly what it takes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just don't, kind don't settle of settle for that mediocrity. Nah, don't settle for that mediocrity. Don't, don't run on that hamster wheel. Ben, have you at all like looked at the Debbie report? I did when it first came out. Yeah. But I haven't in a minute. I mean, dude, I gotta be honest, and like, I'm, I need to dig into these guys for sure, right? And like, I dude, there's not a lot of guys that are like uh, climbers from freshmen that were last year. I mean, dude, there's some. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some talented players in in the group, but it's like I don't feel like I have the feeling that I have had about some of the kids that uh, that were have been available the past past couple of years. Yeah, I need to watch more of these guys. Uh, I mean, Jamar Chase is going to be like the, the gem out there in a lot of Debbie. Drafts. I agree, dude, for sure, man. I like I, he's not owned in any of the Debbie leagues that we do. I I know he will he will be the guy going going first. I think in most of these. Um, yeah, and I haven't seen a lot of these guys. Like, I don't. I mean, I was looking at at their like overall rankings, and I don't know like a lot of the guys you know from like eight down like i don't know rashad bateman i know who seth williams obviously not jay harris but i don't know tamorian terry max borgie i know tylen wallace i know justin ross i know amon ra i know master teague kylan hill but like there's a lot of guys in this top group that i i don't i don't know who they are and, and i'm excited to watch them um uh, yeah no i do for for me as well i am not uh i I'm not like fully caught up on all my Debbies. I'm not going to pretend to say that I am. Although I guess I will be seeking to do so here over the coming days, the immediate days. But yeah, man, some of the guys that are here at the very tippity top again, man, it's just like, dude, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm excited about, about several of these guys. I was going to say, I mean, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Are For sure. Sick. Both sick, dude. Um, those Etienne, those guys are nasty. Travis Etienne, Jamar Chase. I mean, dude, if we're talking like pre-existing Devi leagues, it's like, okay, so Fields, Lawrence Etienne are gone. You know, Jamar Chase, maybe he's gone, but 
Probably not. Probably not. Probably um, not. Rondale's gone. Rondale Moore, Chubba Hubbard, both gone. Um, they've got Jalen Waddle. Way higher than, than they have Devontae Smith, but both of those guys may may already be debbied. Interesting. they got Devontae Smith at 24. They might already be. Yeah. Uh, Rashad Bateman, probably available. Seth Williams, maybe available. I mean, dude, again, these depends on like the depth of the Devi leagues. But Najah Harris is most likely taken. Tamori and Terry most likely available. I mean, so there's guys when you get like further back here. Borgie, I think Tyler Wallace will be gone in most leagues. Uh, yeah. Justin Ross will be gone in most leagues, if not all leagues. Um, Amonra will be gone in a lot of leagues. But, you know, so, I don't know, man. I, there will be guys, but it's like, yeah, no, there's no guys. Where are the guys that were like the freshmen this past year that like soared to the top of this list? Um, I mean, so those would be 2022 guys, right? Yeah, there there aren't any. I mean, like Jamar Gee, Chase was no, the guy no. that soared that soared to the top of the list. I, I mean, know, he's a 2021. I know, guy, but, but he's a 2021 guy. Like where, like normally you have these rookies that like shoot up towards the top of the list. Where are these guys right now? It's like the first 2022 guy that they have on the Debbie watches, David Bell, wide receiver from Purdue, who I I'm not familiar with, and I need to probably pick up. But he's they've got him 18th overall, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, so I don't know. Maybe maybe that is just factoring in, uh, you know, some of that time value money that we've been talking about here. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it is. I think it is. I'm I mean, excited to take a look at these quarterbacks they have listed, though. Jamie Newman, who I know of, but Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler. I don't. I don't know who either of those I'm familiar guys are. Familiar with Spencer Rattler, Jamie Howell, or Sam Howell, dude. Where do they have? Who are you looking for? I want to just get to the quarterback rankings. How do I get there? I don't. I don't know where they are. I'm assuming they're like the first. Ugh, the mm, this fucking thing. This thing is slightly unwieldy. You know, I. It's like documents like this. It's like I want to print this, man. I want to print this and bind this and like put it in my bag, carry it around with me. I know. Thirty-six megabyte so, PDF. Yeah, it's a lot of. 350 uh-huh. well uh, that about covers this podcast for us uh, thanks for joining us please follow us at off the rails ff on social media and interact with us uh, so that we can engage you the listener off the rails podcast talking